0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Morning Breath. My name is Nick. I'm super pumped to get you guys started on today's episode. If you're wondering what Morning Breath is, it's a daily devotion where one of our pastors and a co-host read a chapter of the Bible the night before, come in the day of, and read it on air with you guys, whether that's on YouTube, Spotify, or on the radio. We've got a lot going on at East Coast. You can find all of that information, all of our events, past sermons, all that, On our app the east coast app or on our website at eccc.us i want to get you guys plugged into some events that are actually coming up at east coast one of them is family fun night that is this friday please look on our website or our app to find out all the details but essentially it's a night of uh, fun games candy it's all for your kids invite a family invite a friend to come out and do that with you guys also this weekend we've got something called Candy Palooza at our services at all our locations where you can bring your kids they can dress up again and get even more candy. Like I said, find all of that information on the East Coast app or on our website. Let's go ahead and jump into the chapter. You are listening to the morning Breath podcast. Please enjoy today's show hosted by Pastors Matt
1: and Jessica Stahlbaum. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica. What's going on?
2: Hi. It is uh, the last Monday of October. Next Monday will be November. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. <laughs> you better get to buy some presents. <laughs> My birthday's coming. Adeline's birthday's coming. Our anniversary. How many years are we going to be
1: married? Um, well, since we got married November 8, 2003, Whoa. we will have been married Wait a minute, 18 years. Yes. You were saying 19 the other day.
2: No, that was Brian and Emily. They've been married 19. I but think. I
1: thought you said we're going into our 19th I first, don't. our 19th anniversary and I was like, now we're 18.
2: Oh no, I didn't know that. A- 18. Okay. 18, 18, 18. That's a teenager like a like a adult. Our marriage is now an adult. Wow. <laughs> we are growing up.
0: We're, we're going for it.
2: It's <laughs> exciting. I wasn't saying that to like trap you. That wasn't entrapment. I knew you'd know. I actually had to do the math the other day. I was like, "How old am I? How old is this?" What? Is it? Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting <laughs> it to be married almost eighteen years. It's awesome. God is
1: good. Yeah, and just for anyone listening, uh, marriage can get better. Every part of it. It can be challenging. You work through it. No one's perfect, except you. Uh, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> but uh, no. But if you work hard, it can actually be better. Every part of it.
2: Yeah. It has gotten better and better and better and better. And it is work. But it is more You learn it. so yeah.
1: much about the other person. Yep. And about yourself.
2: Yeah. It's good work. Yeah. It's a good it's fighting that good fight of faith, which we're gonna talk about in this chapter in First Timothy chapter six. But before we start, do you wanna tell everyone about Candy Palooza? It's coming up this coming Sunday, the thirty first. Saturday no. Saturday the thirtieth for our Saturday night service and then the thirty first
1: invite friends who have children to church and let them know they can wear their costumes to church, to children's church. The children can, and, uh, we've got candy for the kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. The whole idea is that we would see people come to East coast, come to church, especially people that maybe have never been to a church before. Maybe haven't been in a long time. Come on, welcome into the church. Welcome to the community, wear your costumes, here's some candy we're going to have the gospel presentation. I mean, it's going to be an awesome time. Yeah. Really encourage you to come.
2: Yep. So invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your coworkers and let them who have kids, kids. wear costumes. Yes. And then come to church. It's gonna be great. Yep. All right. Our question for today is, and I really don't know if I know the answer to this for you. I think I do, but I'm not sure. What was your first job?
1: Oh, um, I worked for my dad Okay, that's when what I was I thought. 12 years old. That's what I thought. I worked for his lawn business. He had a lawn business, and I worked, um, I think, two days a week. And uh, you were 12? I was 12. And I ran a stick edger. So um, stick edger is like an edger that you hold like this. Shaped like a stick? Well, it is like a stick, yeah. It doesn't have (laughs) wheels. Oh, Um, Back in those days, most edgers had like four wheels, and you'd like walk them around like this. Professional edgers... Uh, we we're, were like, look like a weed whacker. Now, most people have these type of edgers now. Yeah. But a lot of them come with wheels on them. But, so we had no wheels and I edged all the concrete. Wow. So, like, at 12 years old, my dad expected me to edge his largest two accounts. We had one wow. account that was 90 houses and he had one account that was like 60 something houses oh in Suntree. Gosh. When Suntree was like, the place to live. It was like it was like living in Adelaide in Vieira or, you know, somewhere in yeah. Vieira now. It was like living in a uh, what is that turtle uh that little island turtle something island.
2: I can't remember what it's called. Whatever over in satellite. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever.
1: Yeah. It was that was Suntry and I'm twelve years old running the stick edger and uh making four dollars and thirty five cents an, ask an you hour. How much you got paid four thirty five but wow. my dad took a dollar per hour out of my paycheck. So he paid me three thirty-five an hour, and then at the end of the year, he or then in the summer, he gave me all that money. Oh. you know, it's cool as a bonus. What was it? Forced, it was a forced bucks. savings.
2: <laughs> Gotta do that when you're twelve.
1: My second job was working at Pioneer Country Store, gas station,
2: off of US one. Yep. yep, funny. At fifteen. Yeah. So my first official job, like I babysat and stuff growing up, but my first official job was at the Viera courthouse when out there there was nothing but the school board the courthouse and cow fields like that's it it was all farm one lane road out there I lived in North Merritt Island and then Coco with my dad North, North Merritt Island with my mom and I would drive all the way from there to Viera to work at the courthouse and it was like how a, old are you? I started when I was 16 And it was 7.37 an hour, which was a lot back then. Like minimum wage was like five something or six something. So it was a really good job. And then while I worked there, I also got a job a little later at Chili's and I was a server. So I worked both of them. Yeah. yeah. So working at the courthouse was really cool though. Eventually, not when I was 16, maybe when I was 18, I would actually perform the wedding ceremonies that people would come and they have a hardship Like someone was shipping off to the military or they just wanted to get married at the courthouse and maybe elope or they just didn't want to pay for a big wedding you could get married right there at the front counter and i was on the news on valentine's day because there were so many like weddings coming and i'm like like a 17 18 year old girl just marrying people (laughs) so weird isn't it yeah that's so funny this is matrimony matt Right here. He's done a lot of weddings, but I think, I don't know. I wish I would have kept track of how many weddings I did. It was like a very common occurrence. Well, let's
1: say you probably did more, um, because you weren't doing like full ceremonies. People were just going there. I won't get married. No, like you hear about you do you, I do, do you literally it like uh, so fast. Notary of the power of the state. I. Yeah, like you, you go, her her
2: you see on a Hallmark movie, like they go to the justice of the peace and they have this like nice, beautiful courtroom and there's a judge in a robe and all. No, no that's, that's not what it is. it's the counter of the
1: DMV, basically.
2: Basically, like right here to my right, you're paying a traffic ticket. To my left, you're actually like filing for divorce. And then here I am in the middle offering you a marriage or a passport. Yeah, <laughs> that <was laughs> that's horrible. That was it. So yeah. anyway, fun, fun facts. All right. So we're in um, First Timothy, chapter six. I'm going to need you to move your Bible again (laughs) so I can see mine. All right. All who are under the yoke as bond servants, slaves, are to regard their own masters as worthy of honor and respect so that the name of God and the teaching about him will not be spoken against. Those who have believing masters are not to be disrespectful toward them because they are brothers in Christ, but they should serve them even better because those who benefit from their kindly service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these duties and principles. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine and teaching which is in agreement with godliness, personal integrity, upright behavior, he is conceited and woefully ignorant, understanding nothing. He has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words which produces envy, quarrels, verbal abuse, evil suspicions, and perpetual friction between men who are corrupted in mind and deprived of the truth, who think that godliness is a source of profit a lucrative money-making business, withdraw from them. But godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment, that contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. For we have brought nothing into the world, so it is clear that we cannot take anything out of it either. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who are not financially ethical and crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, leading to personal misery. For the love of money, that is the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically, is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through and through with many sorrows." But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Aim at and pursue righteousness, true goodness, moral conformity to the character of God, godliness, the fear of God, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith in the conflict with evil. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession of faith in the presence of many witnesses. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and in the presence of Christ Jesus who made the good confession in his testimony before Pontius Pilate to keep all his precepts without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about in his own time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the absolute ruler and king of those who reign as kings and Lord of those who rule as lords. He alone possesses immortality, absolute exemption from death and and lives in unapproachable light whom no man has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power and dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present world, instruct them not to be conceited and arrogant, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share with others. In this way, storing up for themselves the enduring riches of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life." O Timothy, guard and keep safe the deposit of godly truth entrusted to you. Turn away from worldly and godless chatter with its profane empty words and the contradictions of what is falsely called, quote unquote, knowledge, which some have professed and by doing so have erred, missed the mark, and strayed from the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) Awkward silence.
2: (laughs) You go. I just read Okay,
1: So I'll go, um, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that's uh, verse 10 in first Timothy Timothy chapter six. And it, it reminded me of a message I preached uh, about a month ago, five weeks ago or so about finances, about money. And the, the two things that God looks at in who he decides to pour out more resources on. Yeah. And so the example I gave was something like this. Um, Let me just say this right out of the gate. First of all, the love of money is different than money. Um, Money is not the root of evil, but the love of this money.
2: And that's misquoted all the time. Yeah. It's misquoted as money is the root of all the evil. No, it's the love of money.
1: So what do we do with money? Like we don't love it. Um, We have to utilize it. So if God has all the resources, we know he's got every blessing. He's got every resource. He's got a cattle of a thousand hills, cattle, a a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, whatever. He's got everything. And over here on the other side, we've got all the needs, your needs, my needs, the world's needs, everything. How do we get all of God's resources to all the needs? What's in the middle of his resources and his needs. You, me, I am. you. And what things does God bless? Two things, he blesses a generous person, They'll, like a bazillion times in scripture. It's the number one thing Jesus talked about, actually. Um, and two, he blesses good stewards, those that take care of the things that God gives them. So generosity and stewardship. And why would Jesus talk about money so much. I mentioned this in the message, because um, it is a little mind-boggling that he talked about provision, money, resources more than anything else. It's like, what? It's like, really? Money? And I, I mean, when I think about that, I've known that forever. It kind of just made me mad. I was like, that's weird. Like, I don't even know what to do with that information. It just doesn't seem relevant. Like. It doesn't seem relevant to all the things people are talking about now, all the struggles of the world, racism, this, that, and the other thing, money. What? Well, money, and this is what I I came to this conclusion. And obviously, Jesus has this and after more. After you worked through your anger. after I worked through my rage, raged out. Yep. And uh, money touches every thing in our life, every decision, every event, every person. Money affects where you sleep at night, in the bed you bought. In the house you bought, on top of the carpet that you own, or the tile, uh, the clothing that you're wearing, the friends that you have, the gas in your car, the diesel in your, in your Jeep Grand Cherokee, or whatever, mm-hmm. like money touches it. The Bible. I'm reading a Bible that was bought with money. Ha <laughs> ha, shocking, right? Yeah. This is an expensive Bible. I, I'm pretty sure it was like $75. It's made from goat skin you know it's it's like something that can last forever it's a true bound book that I could get rebound when it breaks down uh, my grandkids my great-grandkids and their great great grandkids could have this Bible in their possession one day bought with money money touches everything yeah if you love money you are not necessarily going to be generous if you love money um, you are gonna have trouble being a good steward because in order to be generous and a good steward you have to come to this conclusion that what I have is not mine. It was given to me. Mm. Therefore, I must be open with filling the needs of the world and being a good steward, growing what I have, making yeah. good decisions with what I have. And so you want to defeat the love of money in your life? Be generous. Yes. And be a good steward. Okay. If you only pick one of those, you're gonna have problems. There are generous people who are not good stewards mm-hmm. who fall apart, yeah. you know? And they have to go from miracle to miracle. Yeah. And there are people that are not generous and they're good stewards, and we would call those people tight or stingy. Mm-hmm. And so, now I'm not trying to insult you if you're that person. I'm trying to call you out of that place and to recognize that the X factor on your finances so the x factor it's like giving stewardship giving stewardship it multiplies the seed that god has given you um it multiplies your wealth it multiplies your time yeah money is a representation of time put in or uh not just time because investments are also how you get money um, so knowledge, knowledge and time put into resources put into you're paid for knowledge and time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you want that multiplied, that X factor. You become generous and you become a good steward. Generosity starts with in the Bible tithing, giving back to God, ten percent. Um, you become a contributor in a local church when you tithe. Mm-hmm. When you don't give a penny you were a consumer. Yep. Okay. And how do I get to 10%? This is a great question. Uh, do you mind? I'm just going on I love it. Okay. I
2: love this message. And actually I wrote in my notes to talk about this first and to point people to go watch this message, which you still should. It was, um, in our reset series and it was the one on finances. Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm actually given abbreviated version, but I'm even being a little more pointed right now. Cause I know it's abbreviated. I'm yeah. just, I'm not, There's no cool stories. I'm not doing stories. I'm just giving you the information. So most people don't tithe because they think that either, well, it's because they don't have the money because they've spent it all, um, or they don't agree with it. So if you get to the place where you agree with tithing, you see it in the word of God, you see that it was before the law in Cain and Abel, Abraham, Jacob, you see that it was in the law of Moses. And then Jesus confirmed it in like five or six other scriptures. Yep. If you see that it's true, but you don't have money to tithe because essentially you spend it all, you you're in a pretty common place. That's pretty normal. Like, because we, most of us live to the max of what we bring in. Right? So you get a, let's just use an even number. You get a hundred dollar paycheck, you spend a hundred dollars, not to mention you owe money for your car, your house and whatever in debt. So every penny is accounted for.
2: It's not hard to spend money.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) you don't have 10%, you don't have $10 to give. You might say, wow, I could give $2, which is 2% of 100. Well, here's what I would recommend doing. Start with 2% and say, Lord, get me with, get me there, get me to 10%. And what you'll see many times and that you'll give 2% and the money will come in to tithe. And now you have a choice. Do you tithe that money or do you spend that money? Mm -hmm. Recognize that's God's blessing coming into your life and go ahead and tithe that money and keep that going. Next thing you know, you start this X factor, like, man, I am giving, I am tithing, I am going for it. Like, you'll see God's blessing on your finances. It's the only place in the Bible where God said, test me. It's in Malachi chapter four test me in this? Will I not open the windows of heaven if you do this? Um, And a a great way to start tithing is to do it first. Uh, Don't wait till the end of your paycheck.
2: You won't have it if you wait. It's the first thing that we do. Every paycheck, I take 10% and I don't even consider it mine. It's actually not mine. It is mine to give. Yeah. And, uh, because we work at a church, it's funny people who are new employees are like, can you just like take my tithe out? You know, can you just like auto, yeah, auto tithe? And we're like, no, no we're cause that defeats that the purpose of you making you a willful act to participate in giving back to God, what he gave you in the first place. We're so
1: strong about tithing that as employees of the church, if we didn't tithe, I, I I look at that as very, very poor stewardship because my everything that I get as far as my resources comes from people's tithes, and how much more should I tithe? If very I, serious. Like it's very serious. Like yeah. I very have to honor God with that. Very serious as a pastor. Um, very very important. But our church tithes, we we automatically take ten percent out. We um, we, gener- we give, m- money comes through the church and goes out way more than 10%. Yeah. The missionaries we support, all sorts of stuff, other churches, um, but yeah, the church tithes. So we really believe in this because yeah. part of stewardship, part of generosity is recognizing I want to be an open resource that God can pour through and guess who gets to be a part of the benefit of that? Me, I do. Yeah. If God knows I'm going to get If I'm going to take care of what I have with a budget and wisdom and generosity, he's going to give me more. Mm -hmm. He knows I'll be faithful. If I'm faithful with the little that I have, I'll be faithful with more. That's a mega principle in the Bible. And faithfulness isn't just holding on to what you have. It's actually growing what you have. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's good yeah i love when you talk about this
2: it's so good it's just so good and i just so desperately want people to get it because i know firsthand in our lives we would not be where we're at at all without the blessing of god on our finances like there are some months especially way back when that it didn't make sense that we had what we had you know like but we've always god commands a blessing on your resources when you put him first You're saying, I trust you, God, that you can do more with the 90% that I have left than I could have done on my own with the 100%. And he comes through every time and never have I been so thankful to be a giver, to be a tither than when COVID hit. I did not have any fear whatsoever that we would be provided for. I was like, If anyone really understands tithing, they would know that now would be the worst time to stop, right? Like I had zero qualms about our provision because I know that it's out of our giving that we are covered and protected and provided for, and I just love it. And I want people to just experience the freedom and the beauty of God showing up in your finances.
1: In fact, Jesus amplifies giving when it's sacrificial. Right. So he said, this woman who gave two pennies, yeah. two pence, yeah. two cents, whatever, just literally barely anything yeah. gave more than the, the rich people that came in and just dumped money in yeah. gave more because it was out of her sacrifice. And so when you, if you really think about why you would stop giving because of COVID, it would be because you were scared and giving during the COVID, especially the shutdown, would have been a sacrifice because it would be like, wow, our, what's happening to the world? Yeah. And it's in that moment that God is like, wow, you have given sacrificially. Jesus recognizes that as even giving more, that $10 is worth more yeah. when it's sacrificed. Yeah. That that first 2% is worth more when it's a sacrifice. Yep. Like God looks at it as even more valuable than the person. I mean, it's hard to say this, but the person that just auto 10%, like I, and I'm not insulting that we do that. It's just like automatic for us. The person that goes, you know what? I'm going to start for the very first time. This is a sacrifice. Here's 3%. God's like, whoa, that is sacrificial giving right there. Yeah. He doesn't condemn you because you're not quite there yet to the, what the standard or whatever that we're, we're measuring by he's excited about it. There is no yeah. condemnation in yeah. Christ. It's yes. an opportunity for that faith x factor on your finances yeah it truly is yes
2: verse uh, seven says for we have brought nothing into the world so it is clear that we cannot take anything out of it either and i think paul was probably speaking especially to those who are storing up material possessions and maybe even hoarding um things he's saying we came into this world like naked little babies and we going out of this world with nothing yeah. like there is more to this life there's an eternal um what was that that was the verse that i preached on a few weeks ago take hold of the eternal life to which you were called first timothy six twelve. fight the good fight of faith but while you're here on earth store up treasures in heaven yeah. where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal Otherwise, you're storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Like the point is that all of those things are temporal, but there is an eternal life to which we are called. And when we are giving into uh, a church who is reaching people for Jesus, that is eternal treasure that you are storing up. Like God sees that and he rewards that and he smiles on that and he blesses that and Y'all, you get to partner with him to do work on earth. It is like, how exciting.
1: Yeah. And for me as a pastor, it's exciting in my own life when these things come true, but it's also extremely exciting and rewarding when you see it happen in other people's yes. lives. We've had friends that started tithing. They went through a huge testing phase where they lost major contracts. Yeah. And like, why did we do this? But then you look back and god exponentially blessed them in that next season and yeah. it's like whoa yes you see it happen yeah because people by faith take god at his word well thanks for listening to morning breath we'll see you next time bye you are listening to the morning breath
0: podcast from east coast christian center please enjoy a word from our sponsors You can plan your visit or get more information online at eccc.us. Barfield Contracting and Associates is a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. They are located in Cocoa Village but service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. They also offer military and senior discounts and free estimates and appreciate every opportunity they are given. 321 454 Four five three one. That's 321-454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. Hi, I'm Scott Langston. I'm a broker associate who has specialized in commercial real estate for the past 27 years. I sell real estate for Remax Elite. I give free broker price opinions to anyone selling real estate. If you are looking to buy or lease real estate, I will represent you at no cost to you. My phone number is 321 321- My website is scottlangston.com. Go out and make it a great day. Pineapple Garden, assisted living facility located in Rockledge. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved ones are safe and secure. Find them online at pineapplegarden.com.